Hi, this is Heather Levitis and Rachel Hine, Duke Plastic Surgery residents on The Resident Review, a Duke Plastic Surgery podcast. This is a lecture series designed to aid in preparation for our yearly in-service examination. Our goal is to take you through high-yield topics along with experts in their respective fields in order to maximize your knowledge and potential scores. Stay tuned after the podcast for a brief message from our sponsors. And remember to visit www.theresonantreview.com to study along with our outlines. Today, we'll be continuing our quick hit series on nasal reconstruction. So Rachel, do you want to take us away on some relevant anatomy? I would love to. So for the nose, (laughs) it's divided into thirds based on the underlying skeletal structure. So the proximal third is over the nasal bones. The middle third lies over the upper lateral cartilages. And the distal third includes the nasal tip with the paired ala over the membrous septum and the columella. The blood supply to the nose is from the angular artery, which is a branch of the facial artery. And that supplies the nasal sill, nasal septum, and base of the columella. Remember that the dorsal nasal branch is from the ophthalmic artery, and that supplies the dorsal and lateral nasal skin. And then the infraorbital branch of the internal maxillary artery supplies the dorsum and sidewalls of the nose. Innervation to the nose comes from the anterior ethmoidal nerve, which supplies sensation to the skin of the dorsum of the lower nose and tip. The infratrochlear nerve supplies the sensation to the bridge and upper lateral nasal area. And the infraorbital nerve supplies skin on the lower half of the nose and the nasopalatine nerve supplies the septum and anterior hard palate. The nasolabial area and the nasolobule has the thickest amount of skin on the nose. And remember for the aesthetic subunits of the nose, there are nine subunits, the dorsum, two for the sidewalls, the tip, the alar lobule, which is two, the soft triangle, which is two, and the columella. And the principle of this includes reconstructing an entire subunit if more than 50% is involved in a defect. And defects can include soft tissue, structural support, which is cartilage and lining. And you need to think about all three when reconstructing a full thickness defect. Heather, why don't you take us through some soft tissue reconstruction of the nose? So we'll go through just a few of the different options for local flaps when you're considering soft tissue reconstruction, especially in these kind of Mohs sort of cases. Specifically, we'll talk about the nasal dorsum and sidewalls first. In general, if you have a defect that ranges between 0.5 and 1.5 centimeters, you can use a bilobe flap. It's used usually for thicker skin, but you can kind of use it anywhere. You want to undermine above the perichondrium. You don't want to involve the alar margin because you can actually distort the alar margin if you do. The maximum amount of rotation for these flaps is 90 to 100 degrees or 45 to 50 degrees per lobe. The next flap is the dorsal nasal flap, and that's used for slightly larger defects, but still defects less than two centimeters. Um, You also must be about one centimeter away from the alar rim for the same reason and above any tip defining points to avoid distortion. The dorsal nasal flap is supplied by the angular artery. Another slightly larger, more robust flap that you can choose is a cheek advancement flap, and that can be used for defects up to 2.5 centimeters. This is good in elderly patients who have kind of more lax skin. A nasal labial flap is another option. This is good for alar reconstruction and for the lateral nasal sidewall. You can even use this in cases where the nasal sidewall has undergone radiation because you're moving slightly more distant tissue into the defect. The maximum size for this flap is, well, the defect shouldn't be more than two centimeters. They can be inferiorly or superiorly based, and they usually require two stages. The second being division. Usually that happens at two or three weeks after the initial uh, index operation. When placed close to the AR margin, they're frequently combined with non-anatomically placed conchal cartilage grafts to prevent notching. 
You can also opt to reconstruct defects with full thickness skin grafts, especially of the nasal sidewall. So then moving on to the nasal tip, ala, and kind of the lower third of the nose, the primary goal is to provide structural support, nasal lining, and you want to make sure that the skin that you're bringing into the area is of similar color and texture. If you have a defect less than 0.25 centimeters, you can always opt for healing by secondary intention. A lot of times we forget about that. You can also skin graft, like I said before, if the defect is small and kind of superficial, you want to make sure that your patient is a non-smoker. You also need to have cartilage in place before you put the skin graft. You can't just skin graft if you have no cartilage. You can also use the bilo flap, but like we said before, if this involves ALR margin, it's not the best choice. Otherwise, you can use a chondrocutaneous composite flap up to a maximum of 1.5 centimeters. And this is typically harvested from the helical root. And you use this when really when you have a cartilage defect. Patients need to be non-smokers with a good, well-vascularized recipient bed. They have kind of a predictable healing pattern of white, then blue, then red as the graft becomes vascularized. So a lot of times you see them on their first post-op visit and you're like, ah, it's dead. But I mean, it might be, but hopefully not. (laughs) The nasal labial flap can be used for larger defects, not involving the margin of the nasal tip. Complications can include poor scars, notching, like we talked about, nasal obstruction and narrowing of the nostril. And then moving on to like slightly larger defects, you always have the forehead flap in your back pocket which is based off the supraorbital and supertrochlear vessels. This is best for subtotal defects, tip defects, or lobular nasal defects. If you go with Dr. Menick's kind of classic description of the forehead flap, it's three stages and the division occurs at the three to four week mark. And then in terms of the donor site, you can close some of it primarily, but a lot of it just ends up healing by secondary intention. Next, we'll talk about columella reconstruction. So for the columella, you can reconstruct this with bilateral nasolabial flaps. Bilobed flaps are great for nasal tip defects, like Heather mentioned, up to 1.5 centimeters. For the glabella, less than one centimeter can heal by secondary intention. If there's larger redundant skin, then that can be transferred and the wound can be closed primarily. And then for the septal lining, there's a variety of hinged flaps or palatal mucosa that can be used. So a hinged mucoperichondrial flap can be used for aligning of the lateral nasal wall defects and is supplied by the anterior ethmoidal artery. There's a septal pivot flap, which is a composite flap of mucosa and septal cartilage. This can be used to provide both lining and support, and it's based on the bilateral superior labial vessels. And then there's a bipedical mucosal advancement flap, and this is useful for reconstruction of the ala and is based medially on the blood vessels arising from the septum. So the labial artery and laterally on the vestibular blood supply for support, the nasal dorsum itself is best reconstructed by cantilever bone grafting, especially if, if it is proximal. And then finally, a little miscellaneous topic, which we're frequently tested on is rhinophyma. This is characterized by progressive hypertrophy of the sebaceous glands. It is the end stage presentation of rosacea and treatment includes oral antibiotics and surgical excision, which is tangential excision and a dressing. And that is it. That ends our quick hit series for nasal reconstruction. Thank you for tuning in with Heather and I, and we'll see you on our next podcast. We would like to thank Allergan for their continued support of our podcast. Allergan Aesthetics is now part of AbbVie, an international leader in many different therapeutic categories. Many of our topics and therapies we discuss on our podcast are provided by Allergan. They continue to be a leader in the fields of breast reconstruction, abdominal wall reconstruction, medical aesthetics, and much more. 
Additionally, they're dedicated to supporting the education of plastic surgery residents and plastic surgeons across the country.